Psalms 27, verse 14. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Psalms 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. If you just keep your Bible open at Psalm 24, 27, excuse me, for just a couple of moments. This morning, just about the time that I uh, was parking the car, my phone rang and it was a message from Kerry Dwyer calling from Bangalore, India. And he wanted to let you know that things are going very well in India for uh, Carrie and for Sharon. They had just finished Sunday night worship and were on the way back to the hotel. Remember, they're uh, 11 and a half hours ahead of us. Tomorrow they start uh, classes in Bangalore. They finished classes in E-Road and uh, felt like the work was very successful there. They wanted you to know that they send their greetings and that they're glad that they're doing what they're doing. Waiting. It's something we all have to do, right? We have to wait. It may be at the bank, or it may be at the checkout counter of a store, or it may be even at a restaurant. And the time that we spend waiting varies. It might be eight minutes on the phone waiting to talk to a real person, or it may be eight weeks waiting for the rebate that we got for the phone that we're waiting eight minutes to talk to someone to. Here's the problem. We don't do very well waiting. Some of us have walked away from a restaurant because we were told that they couldn't seat us for 20 minutes. Anyone who lives near Houston or who works in Houston knows what waiting in traffic is like. Several years ago, the average wait for a commuter was 61 hours a year. Some of you who work in Houston feel like it was 61 hours last month because you know what it's like to wait in traffic. And we don't like to do it. And sometimes that causes us problems, even serious problems. People have been injured or have died because they were unwilling to wait through a red light. So they just decide to run the red light. Most of us have seen people who have lost their temper and have said some very foolish things because they felt like they were kept waiting too long, much longer than they wanted to wait. What about our spiritual lives? You heard Psalm 27, verse 14. The New King James Version says it this way, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Turn over to Psalm 37 for just a moment. I'll wait for you. Psalm 37, verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, 
and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Turn to Psalm 62 and look at verse 5. 62 verse 5. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. There are other passages that we could think about and read this morning that talk about the idea of waiting for the Lord or waiting on the Lord. But I think these are enough to give you an idea of what we have in mind. These verses, though, just the verses that we've read, raise some questions in our mind. Questions like this, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? How do we do it? What will be the result if we really do wait on the Lord? I want to limit our thinking this morning to those three questions. The first is, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? Well, let me tell you, first of all, what it doesn't mean. It does not mean cessation of effort or giving up. That's not what waiting on the Lord means. The Hebrew word that is translated waiting has a connection to another Hebrew word, which means to entrench, to entrench. And when one is entrenched, he is established firmly, solidly in a strong position. You might be familiar with this verse because it is a very favorite of many of you, Isaiah 40. If you'll turn there, Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That helps us to understand that waiting on the Lord is not weakness or the inability to do anything else. Instead, it is strength. It is the power to hold back when the natural impulse is to push ahead, and sometimes carelessly. Waiting on the Lord means confidence in God. Psalm 132, or 123 and verse 2, excuse me, Psalm 123 and verse 2, says, Behold, the eyes of servants look to the hands of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. See the word until, until. We wait until we have confidence that God is going to help us, and so we wait until. He helps us. And because we have that confidence, we do not try to do what we think is best, but rather surrender to the will of God. This morning we looked uh, in our Old Testament survey classes at the book of Micah. Micah 7 verse 7 says, Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation my God will hear me. People of real faith, true faith, 
are willing to wait on God. We see that in Noah as he was building an ark, which took a long time. We see it in Abraham as he waited for a son of promise to be born, which took a long time. We see it in David as he waited to become a king, which took a long time. But the question is, do we see it in ourselves? Do we wait on the Lord? The next question would be, how do we wait on it? How do we wait on the Lord? Well, it certainly includes accepting the fact that there are times when we cannot handle what we need to handle by ourselves. Jeremiah understood this in Jeremiah 10, 23, when he said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. If that premise is not true, then we would have to wonder why Peter wrote what he did in 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. The apostle wrote, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Peter understood that. For sure, it not only involves accepting the fact that we can't handle everything ourselves, it also involves patience. Patience has been called the ability to accept delay graciously. Another person said, it is the attribute that enables us to remain steadfast under strain. Now we have to admit this, it goes against our nature. I mean by that that you and I begin life impatiently. When a baby is hungry, that baby does not think, I know my mother is tired, I'll just wait until she wakes up before I let her know that I'd like to be fed. And unfortunately, it doesn't get better whether we are six months or 60 years old. We are still impatient. As technology has improved in our society, so has our desire increased for faster results. You and I want instant answers. And if we don't get them, we're not happy. Some even get to the point where they believe that impatience is a virtue. Here is a person who excuses his impatience by saying, well, at least I do something. It's better to do something wrong than to do nothing at all. We better be careful when we say that. And if you had the ability to ask the Apostle Peter, was it better for you to speak out at the Mount of Transfiguration and say, Lord, let's build three tents, or would it have been better if you had kept your mouth shut? I think he would say, I should have been silent. Of course, our culture doesn't help us in this regard, does it? Several years ago, I read about a denominational church in Florida that was advertising 22-minute worship services. Sermon was eight minutes long. You think those people really got fed much spiritually in eight minutes? We can develop patience. It's not impossible, but we 
first of all, have to see its value. You don't work towards something unless you think the something to which you're working for is worthwhile. And so we have to believe that, pa- that, that patience and waiting on the Lord is something that has real value. And then we have to work at it. It can't just be an acknowledgement that that's what I ought to do. It has to be a process in which we actually do it. And we need to remind ourselves in this process that our model is our God. Peter wrote this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There were in the days of Peter... Those who were saying, well, the Lord hasn't returned. He's not going to return. And Peter turns to God as the example of patient waiting. You and I can be grateful that our God is patient with us and long-suffering. Obviously, his, his word helps us in that regard if we let it. We remember in the 130th Psalm, verse 5, the psalmist says, I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I do hope. In his word I hope. That that is going to help us because it will show us how to be patient and when to be patient and how to exercise it properly. Prayer is always a valuable aid in waiting on the Lord. But we have to understand this. It's only going to be valuable if in the process of praying that we are submitting to God's will. To God's will. And to remember in that praying that God's timing is right, not our timing. We do not establish for God what ought to be done in our behalf. Remember in the New Testament, Galatians 4 and verse 4 tells us when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why did Jesus come when he came? Because it was God's time. He didn't come too early. He didn't come too late. He came exactly when God wanted him to come because God alone knew when he should come. Men didn't know. God knew. I think it's interesting to think also about the importance of trust in being patient. Hebrews 2.13 is helpful in that regard. And this particular part of the verse, which says, I will put my trust in him. If you're looking at the same kind of Bible that I'm looking at, the my has a capital M. And the reason for that is Jesus is the my in that verse. And if it was best for our Lord to put his trust in his Father, certainly it's true for us as well. One last question. What's the result of waiting on the Lord? Psalm 25, verse 3 says indeed says indeed no, let no one who waits on you be ashamed let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause there will be no need to be ashamed if we wait on the lord because waiting on the lord is right it's doing the right thing 
And we've already seen more than once that we will receive strength. It's the third time, but listen again to Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. You, you wonder, or maybe you don't wonder, why inspiration then says, wait, I say, on the Lord. We need to hear the message, wait on the Lord. And again, he says, wait, I say, on the Lord. This is important. It's not just a maybe. You can count on it. And God will cause good to come to us from waiting. The little short book of Lamentations, chapter 3 and verse 5, says the Lord is good to those who wait for him. It's been proven over and over again. It's proven in the pages of Scripture. It's proven in the lives of God's saints that many of us have seen with our own eyes. Salvation will be ours. The very next verse of Lamentation, chapter 3, verse 26 says, It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I'm not sure that the writer of Lamentations was completely concerned about spiritual salvation. He was concerned about the physical salvation of Jews. But the principle is true about spiritual salvation. And that's exactly what the Thessalonians were doing according to 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. Paul, in commending those Thessalonian Christians, had heard this, verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. Notice, and wait for his son from heaven, whom he praised from the dead, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. The Thessalonians had done exactly the right thing. They had turned away from idol worship, sinfulness, wrong living, and turned to God. They had begun to serve God, but they had learned that they must also wait for the Son from heaven. I hope you and I can remember the importance of waiting on the Lord. There is a time, however, when we should not wait. We remember what Ananias asked Saul of Tarsus, according to Acts 22, verse 16, Paul's own admission of that. The question was, and now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Those who know the truth and are convicted by it and understand their condition as being outside of Christ, need not to wait. They need to act. And today I would encourage you, don't wait to obey the gospel if you need to. And don't wait to make your life right if you're a Christian who is not living right. We will help you either to help you get into Christ or to return to Christ if that's your need, and if you'll express it by coming forward this morning while we stand and sing.